Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be taking a look back at a song that was released 20 years ago, was written about 30 years ago, and I think is a song that the lyrics just need to be heard, that it's a song that turned out to be completely prophetic in nature, and I think really sheds a lot of light on things that have happened over the last 30 years, how the world has gotten to where it is. We talked in a previous episode entitled Transitions about the Overton window, where things progress very slowly. Things change very slowly, and because of that, things that you would not have believed you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago now seem to be nearly commonplace because the the bar keeps getting pushed to one way. So things you would have never thought would have been even thinkable at one point are now like, well, okay, it's not so bad. I mean, maybe take a look at things that are going on in states right now where late-term abortion, meaning, you know, nine months, people are standing up and applauding bills that say it's okay to kill babies. Now, I don't know if it really matters what your political affiliation is, because if the first thing that you think of when you hear killing babies is Republican Democrat, then you're out of your freaking mind. This should be way beyond politics. This should be something that is just ingrained as far as what is right and what is wrong. And this song talks about that and a whole bunch of other things. The song was written by a guy named Stephen Van Zandt. A lot of you know Stephen as Little Stephen, the uh, great guitar player for Bruce Springsteen of the E Street Band for years and years and years. You might have seen him on The Sopranos. You may have seen him on Lily Hammer. Little Stephen's a guy that I always found to be very interesting. I've talked about on the podcast in the past that I don't have to agree with everything that an artist says or believes politically to enjoy their music or their artwork. And that's, I'm sure, certainly the case with Little Steven, although he is a proclaimed independent. He definitely didn't like Ronald Reagan. That's where the interesting thing kind of comes out in this, uh, in this song, is that it was written in 1988, 1989. So you're coming at the end of the Ronald Reagan years, and Little Steven believes that, you know, Reagan's responsible for the big debt and kind of put America on the wrong track and all that. And you're, again, your politics may vary. And that really has nothing to do with this song. And I believe how it relates to what is going on today. So we're actually going to take this song, which is a five minute song on the album. We're going to break it down verse by verse, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. And hopefully you'll find it entertaining and hopefully you'll enjoy the music. Cause I really do enjoy little Steven's music. It's a, uh, his latest album's really interesting. It's all, you know, based on soul music, all the classics. He's a big band, you know, with the horns and all that. And that's just the kind of music that I love. But for years and years and years, little Steven was one of the only guys, if you can believe this now, especially in the age that we're living in, little Steven was one of the only guys in the 80s, in the early 90s, who was really being very, very political. We went through a stage where musicians weren't all that political. They weren't way out there in the forefront. 
and the people weren't talking about politics. So little Steven was out there and he was pushing politics. He wanted people to start the conversation. And for that, I applaud him because we need to have the conversation about politics. We need to have something a little more in depth than what we can currently get online, though. And as a little side note for that, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have noticed, although probably doubtful, that about a week and a half ago, I tweeted a message that was simply a test. The message simply asked that if you were reading that, if you saw the tweet, do me a favor and reply, retweet, or uh, like. Do something. I didn't care what it was. Just do something to let me know a real live person saw this and a real live person is letting me know that. The interesting thing was I didn't really consider, I was kind of trying to get the percentage of the people that follow me, how many really pay attention. That got a little bit expanded due to some nice folks that uh, retweeted the tweet. So the reach got even a little bit further than I had expected. But I don't think you're interested necessarily in the exact numbers of all these things, but I will tell you the percentage, which I thought this was a very telling metric as far as how social media, Twitter especially, works right now and how I feel that there's just so much noise. There are so many messages on Twitter that you may as well, you have just about as good of a chance of somebody hearing your message that if as tweeting as going outside and screaming into the air. Because when it all came down to it, even without taking the, the few people that did more than one thing, there were a few people who responded and retweeted. But the overall thing was, as far as engagement went, the amount of people that allegedly saw the tweet was decent. It was around 2,700, I believe, impressions. So Twitter's telling me that 2,700 times it sent that message to the person's device, whether, you know, whichever screen you're dealing with. With that said, out of those 2,700 impressions, 2.5, well, just under 2.5% of those impressions, of those things that were sent out into the ether, generated a response. 2.5%. Doesn't take a genius to figure out if you have 100 followers, you're lucky if two and a half see it. I don't know who the half people are. If you have 1,000 followers, you're going to be lucky if, uh, you know, 25 people actually see and respond. It's a very low number. And the way that Twitter is working, the way social media is working, unfortunately, we don't get to have a very in-depth conversation about politics anymore. This is not a good thing because speaking and arguing in headlines and supposed facts, which never have anything behind them because there's no time to do it. This is how we get to the point to where people just go, global warming's real. They have no idea what the science is. They can't prove it. They have no idea what they're talking about. But somebody told them, we've talked about this in the past with bias. You want to believe the people that you like. And thus, we never really have the conversation about politics. So back in the 80s and 90s, little Steven was a guy who was putting out music that made you think. And I applaud people that do that because, one, it's still entertaining. It's good music. And two, the lyrics, as I hope you're going to see in this particular song that we're going to be talking about, really can uh, 
shed a lot of light on the way the world is working, the way the world is going. And I think little Steven hit it right on the nose with this song called Camouflage of Righteousness. I mean, I, that, it just really reeks of the Twitter age, of the social media age, the fake news age, what's going on. And I, I thought it was interesting enough to where I wanted to do a whole show on this. And I could probably do more than a half hour. We're going to try to keep this as, as concise as we possibly can. And uh, as we as we go through this song, and I don't remember even what this was, you know, something that happened, this lyric popped into my mind. I don't know if that happens with you every now and then, you know, you think in song lyrics, something happens and you go, hey, this reminds me of this. Well, this song came to mind. And I went and looked up the lyrics. I didn't remember the whole thing. I kind of remembered a vibe, but I didn't realize just how accurate Little Steven was this, this album was whole, the album itself was written called born again. Savage is the album. I guess I should tell you that it was written in 1988, 89. It didn't get recorded until the mid nineties when little Steven got together with Adam Clayton bassist from U2. The record company heard it, didn't like it. So it wasn't until 1999. It took 10 years for this music to get released because little Steven started his own label and all that. Finally got it released. Finally got this song out there. And so we're going to let's just get into it. Let's just take a look at this. Let's start it. Let's uh, let's blow your mind. I think being that, again, this is a song that was written 30 years ago. And tell me if you don't think this is extremely close to where we are today. So the first verse, the old men make excuses while the young men make bring the noise. I mean, really, this is kind of where we are right now, right? You have the old men, the, the uh, establishment, you know, the government. They're the ones making excuses, which the government always does. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat in charge. There's always excuses. And the young men bring the noise. I mean, come on, is this not more true today? than you have ever had. We are doing nothing but yell. I mean, we literally had people going and yelling in the street. So, I mean, if that's not bringing the noise, I don't know what is. We have this whole new group of young politicians that are coming in that are disrupting. I mean, this is really the resistance, right? Let's disrupt. Let's resist. So the old men make excuses while the young men bring the noise. And nothing ever changes because boys keep being boys. Now, boom, all of a sudden we are into the Me Too movement, aren't we? Boys keep being boys. It's the old, it's, you know, again, it's one of these things that you can't say now. This is hate speech. Boys will be boys. There was a T-shirt that somebody put out that said boys will be boys that had to be pulled off the shelves because it was outrageous. You couldn't have that. You couldn't say boys are being boys because we want to, I guess, Again, deny the fact that we are what we are because saying boys will be boys or girls will be girls or, you know, the Irish will be Irish, whatever you want to say. That's all hate speech now. I mean, you can't just say the boys, we keep being boys. But I thought that was a this is a very interesting kickoff of this song. The old men are making excuses. The young men are making the noise. Nothing ever changes, though. 
boys keep being boys. And you have to ask yourself, I've noticed recently watching some old television shows, it's amazing how much things really don't change. The things that have been talked about for decades now are still the same things we're talking about today. It's not like we're moving quickly in any one direction. You know, whether you're talking about global warming, which Al Gore said the planet was going to end by now. Uh, AOC is saying the planet's going to end in 12 years. I was going back and was watching a show recently on Happily Ever After, which came out 20 some odd years ago, I believe. And it's the same talk. It's all immigration. It's all global warming. It's all the Clintons. It's an amazing thing how much things really haven't changed. But let's go on to the let's go on to the second verse here, because we're just talking about the men so far and we don't want to leave the women out. But I thought this was and this was the this was the one verse that didn't really hit me as being completely right on track that was, you know, maybe the least prophetic of the whole song until I really thought about it. And I realized I was probably an idiot. And this might be one of the most prophetic parts of the song because we talked about the men, we talked about the boys. Next verses, and the women just surrendered while Cinderella slept. Now they know they've waited too long. There's nothing worth stealing left. And I thought about that for a minute, and it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, the women just surrendered, so the women are giving up. They're giving in. But while Cinderella slept, why when Cinderella slept? You know, you have to get into little Stephen's head here. And a lot of times, maybe lyrics are there. Maybe with the, it goes back to the story of the Beatles where Paul McCartney said, you know, I'm going to, that, hey, Jude, I'm going to take that lyric. The movement you need is on your shoulder. I'm going to throw that out. That was just a placekeeper. I don't even know. And John Lennon said, no, you, you got to keep that in. It was the best line in the song. And Paul said, but I, I don't even know what it means. And John Lennon said, but I know what it means. So I don't know what little Stephen meant here, but when I start thinking about that lyric, the women surrendered while Cinderella slept. Why Cinderella? You know, why not Snow White? Why not any female character in the history of the world? Why not Juliet? You know, there's, you could put in hundreds, thousands of names there. But why Cinderella? And you think about it, it's like, well, what was Cinderella? She was the woman that was kept down, right? She was kept down because of her class. She, was, she had so much potential but she wasn't allowed to bring it. She wasn't allowed to, to take that potential and fulfill it because she was being kept down by a variety of sources. So that just kind of blew this into a whole different aspect here. Now, when you're looking at the fact when this was written and depending upon your age, I'm, I'm getting close to pushing 50. If you're younger, this, this whole thing maybe doesn't make as much sense, but back in the eighties, there were not a lot of women leaders in this country and really worldwide. It was the number was way, way fewer than it is now. And I think that's probably has something to do with the fact that little Stephen chose Cinderella here. The women surrendered while Cinderella slept. Now they know they've waited too long. There's nothing worth stealing left. Now that's an interesting lyric in its own because it kind of tells you that they, it's not, it's too late. We are so screwed up that even though they've woken up or they're waking up now, that maybe things are too screwed up 
to where it can't even be fixed. Maybe that's what he meant. Maybe that's not. But I thought that it's a hell of an opening, a couple of uh, verses from a song. Then you go into the chorus. Under the camouflage of righteousness. I mean, the camouflage of righteousness. Think about that. Think about the world today. Think about politics. Think about every argument that you're seeing on the news, that you're seeing on social media. Everybody's hiding under the camouflage of righteousness, aren't they? I mean, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, people are too caught up, she says, in, in me not knowing how to pay for all this. They're more worried about how you're going to pay for it rather than the world is ending in 12 years. The camouflage of righteousness. I'm right. So I can say whatever I want. Al Gore, the world's going to end. Global warming. I mean, none of the stuff he predicted way back when. Go back and check Al's homework if you want to, kids. It's a lot of fun. Spoilers, he was completely wrong. But that camouflage of righteousness. It's what people use on both sides of the aisle. This isn't, this isn't something that is unique to Democrats or Republicans or conservatives or liberals. A lot of people throw that camouflage of righteousness on because that's what they use to, because they believe that, right? That's what, the, what they use to try to get their points across, even though they don't have anything behind them. They just, they're going to tell you they're right because they think they're right. They're, that's that righteous idea, right? They're, they're right. So they can tell you, they can tell you how to live your life because you're a moron and they know what's right. Under the camouflage of righteousness, we supply the sins while you confess. Now, boom, that is, that's a hell of a lyric. I think anyway, I mean, your mileage may vary on that as well, but we supply the sins while you confess. Is that not, is that not the world we're living in today? And, and then the, uh, the chorus continues and finishes off. You're seduced by the vampire's sweet caress behind the camouflage of righteousness. So you're falling into the trap. You're falling into that evil. You're believing in these things that aren't necessarily true, but you believe them because this is the way they're being presented to you. Now, the next verse, I mean, this is the one that stuck with me because We've been through a few election cycles now where it may be floated that choice A and choice B weren't all that different from each other. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that will tell you, you know, was there really that big of a difference between, you know, Bill Clinton and George Bush? So, I mean, some people think there was a huge difference, but then again, you know, George Sr., and Bill Clinton became best friends. And as you've been watching the news lately, you'll notice that George Jr. and Michelle Obama seem to be, you know, the best of bosom buddies. I mean, really, it's interesting. It's kind of like watching the Red Sox and Yankees over the years where the fans just tear each other apart. But behind the scenes, you know, Big Pappy and A-Rod are going out for a beer and laughing about it. We're all being distracted by this stuff and we're believing in these divisions and we think that this is very, very important stuff that we're fighting for. But is it? Is it really all that important, the stuff we're fighting for? So the next verse, again, talking about 
are these politicians all that different? You know, was Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Donald Trump all that different? I, I don't know. You could probably make a, a few arguments there as well. I mean, Trump, I think, is a little bit different because he's out of the establishment, which I think is a good thing, whether you agree with a lot of his politics or not. But I like seeing somebody come in from the uh, coming in from the bleachers rather than coming in from the swamp. But a lot of these politicians, you know, they're not all that different. And little Stephen back in 1988, 89 with this next verse, I think was right on point when he said, give you politicians. We give you politicians, and you call it choice. We let you do the voting, and you think you have a voice. I mean, let that, that one just sink in for a minute. 30 years ago, little Stephen, we give you politicians, and you call it choice. So we're giving you different people, right? We're giving you Trump. We're giving you Clinton. We're giving you, you know, Al Gore. We're giving you Cortez. We're giving you Bush. You think you have a choice. You you think this isn't already figured out, and you think your votes actually matter, and that's why you think you have a voice. But do you know your vo- voice really? Do you think? Are you sure that your votes really matter? Are you sure that those the numbers counted up are really accurate to uh, to what were put down? And we've gone through a lot of these things already, right? I mean, who can't forget? You know the uh, the hanging chads in Florida and on the. Uh, this last election where, you know, Hillary didn't want to give up. And there's been a lot of these in smaller elections as well, where the candidates just don't even want to admit that they lost. Is this all, is this all just theater? I mean, little Stevens kind of making that, at least making you question that, which again, I applaud. So you, they give you politicians. You think you have a choice. We let you do the voting and you think you have a voice, but now this next verse in this world of fake news, anybody that thinks Trump made up the concept of fake news, obviously never heard this little Steven song from uh, way, way back because the next verse is we control the information you call yourself informed. We give you our religion and you believe it's yours. We control the information. And you call yourself informed. I mean, is that not fake news right there? We control the information. You call yourself informed. We give you our religion and you believe it's yours. Global warming, baby. That's the religion of the day, right? We got to save the planet. We all believe, oh, we got to save the planet. We got to do this. We got to save the planet. Yeah, sure. We give you our religion and you believe it's yours. Again, a a more prophetic song I'm having trouble coming up with at this particular uh, time. And I think this is uh, this is something that is interesting. I'd like to know what little Steven I'll I'll tweet him this podcast. I'd like to know what he thinks about this song and how it holds up. And maybe we can get a little bit of an insight on what the thinking was behind this when it started and how he thinks it has grown, how he thinks the world has melded into this. and, and how much of this is actually uh, have come true in his mind. But yeah, we control the information. You call yourself informed. We give you our religion. You believe it's yours. Then we go into the chorus again. 
Under the camouflage of righteousness, we supply the sins while you confess you're seduced by the vampire's sweet caress behind the camouflage of righteousness. But then it goes into the bridge. And I thought the bridge is very interesting as well. Life is just a dream. Reach out and touch the screen. We're here to soothe you. Relax. It's better if you don't fight. Believe in the flickering light. We can't afford to lose you. In the era where everybody's just staring at the little you know, lights in their phones, that it's there to just soothe, it's just a dream. Reach out and touch the screen. I mean, there were no phones when little Steven wrote this. I mean, not cell phones. There were no tablets. There were no touchscreen, really. Computers, people weren't doing that. So maybe this was meant for television, right? Maybe that's where this came from. Or little Steven just knew the, the way of the world was going because it just, it's just so crazy. This is 30 years ago. Reach out and touch the screen. We're here to soothe you. Relax. It's better if you don't fight. Believe in the flickering light. We can't afford to lose you. Again, this, this just kind of blew my mind going back and, and re-experiencing this song after years and years and years and seeing, really looking at it critically. We all hear songs every day. We hum, we sing along. Most of the time, you're not looking at songs. You know, it's not like, it's not like back in the day where people were looking for these satanic messages in the songs and playing things backwards and all that. But I thought it was really interesting to go back and look at this song. And the next couple of verses, I think, really, really bring things home. We offer you diversion on any channel you choose. We give you bread and circus, and you still call it news. We offer you diversion. I mean, really, is this not the world that we're living in right now? a diversion on every, that cell phone. It's your diversion. You got your tablet, you got your TV, you got all of these things to divert you from what's really going on. Social media, everything is a diversion. We offer you diversion on any channel you choose back then. Sure. You thought he was just talking about TV, but now there's tons of channels. I mean, you got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got all sorts of different social media, YouTube, you know, Twitch, Flickr, you know, all these, uh, all these things that, are, are there to do nothing but distract you, to keep you away from listening to, uh, to paying attention to what is going on. We offer you diversion on any channel you choose. We give you bread and circus and you still call it news. Boom. There's the fake news meme again, the fake news meme. Again, we give you bread and circus, which basically bread and circus. If you don't know, it's from the Latin and I took Latin, but forgive my pronunciation here, penem et circusness. It means basically giving the unwashed masses some superficial appeasement. It's attributed back to the Roman poet Juvenal. And uh, it basically, 
is you're giving people distractions. Again, you're giving them bread and circus. You're giving them entertainment and food, and you're making them dance for you, right? I mean, they're your little playthings. The government's giving you bread and circuses, and if that's really not as more true than it is today, literally, where the government wants to be involved in just about everything you do. But this, again, it's interesting where it's that fake news again. We're giving you bread and circuses. We're giving you diversions. And we're telling you this and you still call it news. You still believe it. So again, anybody that tells you that the concept of fake news didn't exist before Donald Trump, uh, you can point this song out to them. But this last verse, I believe, is the one that's almost scary to me. And as fact is how uh, and how real it is today. And I, it was something that I don't think really even existed going back again to the late 80s. I don't think we had anything quite like what we do now on social media. Back when little Steven wrote this verse, but tell me if this doesn't just knock you on your ass. The last verse is... We orchestrate your hatred. It's as clear as white and black. We select your history and you believe it's fact. I mean, holy crap. I mean, that is that is spot on, little Stephen. Let me tell you, buddy. That is absolutely spot on. We orchestrate your hatred. It's as clear as white and black. Go look at the arguments going on online. Especially on Twitter. There is no more middle ground. There is no being open for debate. There is no more where people will listen to the other side and try to have a rational, reasonable debate, a rational, reasonable uh, conversation about a subject. If you disagree with them, you're an asshole. That's all there is to it. There is only right, there is only wrong. They have nothing to back it up, but they know it's right. The camouflage of righteousness. If you don't believe in them, if you don't believe global warming, if you don't believe whatever the whatever the uh, soup du jour, you know, whatever the soup of the day is, whatever the topic of the day is, whether it's global warming, whether it's abortion, whether it's whatever, it's right or wrong. And if you're on the other side, you're now hated. This is not a country that's working together. This is not two brothers that disagree on something and are going to come to a rational, reasonable conclusion where that both can deal with, that both can feel like we've had the, the art of the deal is, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank that, and it could have been Donald Trump too, that basically said, if you're leaving, you know, the best deal is where both sides feel like they've left something on the table. There is no white and black. There is no right and completely wrong, but there is compromise. And you compromise, both sides feel like they've left something on the table to get what they wanted. Not everybody gets everything. This isn't the world where everybody gets a trophy, but we were taught that, and that we've talked about in previous podcasts. So we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but we understand that the world isn't white and black. And you look at the arguments going on on social media and on Twitter, you see that that's what we have now gone to. This is now the world has kind of gone to the lowest common denominator where 
somebody says something, if you disagree in any way, shape or form, it doesn't even have to be like you're a total opposite of what they're saying. You disagree with any aspect. You are the enemy. You must be fought. You are wrong. We orchestrate your hatred. Somebody else is behind this. You wonder how this all started. And it's interesting because I hear from people all the time. And in my own personal experience, this has been true as well, which is if you meet somebody out there in the wild, if you meet the same person that you would have a real bitch fest with on Twitter, you sit next to them at a ball game and start talking. The climate is completely different, if that pun can be used here. No global warming meme there, but uh, the, the conversation you're going to have is much different. Being face-to-face with somebody, you're kind of forced to listen to what they have to say. You can tell that there's a real person behind it, so maybe you're less apt to just see a headline and go, Oh, I'm outraged! I'm outraged! You know, maybe you're just a little bit more open to listening to somebody because they're sitting right next to you. And that's where I would recommend if you're going to have political discussions, if you're going to have political arguments, do it face to face because you realize at that point that there's a real person sitting next to you. They can see the concern on your face. You can see the concern on theirs. And you realize that, you know, maybe you both feel you're right and you can go look into it more. The concept here, though, that everything is white and black and you're and, you know, you're kind of being the puppets of somebody, some external force here, little Steven saying, who is orchestrating the hatred. It's as clear as white and black. They select your history and you believe it's fact. If you remember, Michelle Obama said we were going to have to rewrite the history of this country. When uh, Barack Obama took office and that to me, again, is a little scary because you can't rewrite history. That would be lying. History is what it is. What happened, happened. Now, you can change what people believe happened, and that a lot of that is going on right now. You see these things from all the you know, Confederates, things being pulled down. People are getting triggered by somebody saying Christopher Columbus. People are getting triggered by all the craziest little crap. I mean, it's absolutely insane because, again, you can't have a rational conversation with somebody that's triggered. So you want to stop the triggering, uh, but somebody, again, pulling those strings who want to orchestrate the hatred, and you have to ask yourself exactly why they're orchestrating the hatred, what they're doing it for under the camouflage of righteousness. Of course, they're supplying the sins. We're confessing. We're being seduced by the vampire sweet caress. We're giving in behind the camouflage of righteousness. So little Stephen Maybe this is 30 years late, but I'm applauding you on this song. And I think it's something that is very accurate into what's going on today. And I think it's almost scary accurate when you see some of these things for a song that was written 30 years ago. I know it's not 100 years ago or anything like that. But still, I think if you look back to the late 80s and you compare that to where we are today, I think the world is a completely different place. One, from a technological standpoint. But two, and how people relate to each other, how the civility of the culture has eroded. And the bread and circuses, usually, if you go back and look at the origin of that particular saying, that particular phrase, it came as Rome was beginning to fall. Rome was beginning to melt down. The United States, whether you liked Ronald Reagan or not, he called the United States the shining house on the hill, right? The shining, uh, I believe it was the shining beacon on the hill. 
And we have fallen from that to where we are now. Although people keep wanting to come here. So if we're so bad, why are all these people trying to get in? I'll never quite understand that. Maybe there's a little Steven song that can explain that as well. But I hope you enjoyed taking this look back at this song by little Steven. It was something that hit me and it was like, okay, I kind of, like you said, I thought there was going to be like maybe one or two lines here. And that was going to be like, Hey, this was really like it is today. When I realized the whole song kind of went on a A to Z, you know, thrill ride of the, the world that we're living in today. I wanted to bring it out, wanted to point it out because a lot of people don't know little Steven. The album didn't sell all that well. It wasn't really, you know, super pop music or anything like that. And I'm sure way more people know him from the Sopranos and from Lily Hammer and from being Bruce Springsteen's guitar player for decades. But I thought this was a song that needed to be heard. This is all little Steven's music. I love little Steven's music. I love his style. I love the fact that he's an activist because he's a guy that wants you and I to think. He doesn't want to just put something out there. He's not a guy. And I went and did a quick look and I followed him on Twitter for a while. But again, Twitter is all noise. So it's hard to really know. And I did a quick search on his Twitter page and he still seems like a very rational guy. He has his political leanings. Sure. But he's not a complete anti-Trumper. He's not one of these resist. He's not one of these go outside and scream into the air. He's a guy that obviously wants us to think. And for that. I think he is right. Oh, think right. I think he is right on track with that, right on point, that more people should kind of take a look at the way things are going. Try to take a little bit of a deeper look than you can in 140 or 280 characters. Have that face-to-face conversation with your neighbors, your family, your friends. And maybe, just maybe, we could stop being the puppets that are uh, somebody having somebody else pull the strings, and maybe we can get out of this... Uh, this funk that the country has been in for a while. Now, I hope you like what you're hearing on the show. If not, feel free to let us know. We have a new Twitter account, which is random podcast at Twitter. You can email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow my own Twitter, personal Twitter account at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. And an interesting thing happened, just as a little aside here, our last show that we did, episode number 21, was all about Johnny B. Jonathan Brandmeier, Chicago radio legend, worked on the loop, WCKG, WGN. I put that podcast out there, and my buddy who does That Larry Show, and you can find it at thatlarryshow.com, Larry Bladener, he immediately after I put the show out, sent me a message on Twitter going, holy crap. I was just thinking whatever happened to Johnny B and he's out of LA. So we know Johnny was syndicated for a while. And he's like, literally, I was just thinking about Johnny B and there's your show Brandmeier. And we're kind of teaming together here because we both want to know last year, Johnny was inducted into the radio hall of fame, but he hasn't been on the air since sometime in 2017. And usually, like uh, like my buddy Larry pointed out, once you sit behind one of these microphones and have a bohemoth radio transmitter sending your voice out to the ether, usually you don't disappear. And Johnny was always entertaining, and we'd like to know what he's up to. So if you know Johnny B, and somebody out there does, or know somebody that knows somebody, Larry and I are trying to get in touch with Johnny B We'd love to do a little podcast with him, not a permanent thing. We'd like to do an interview with him, talk with him about the format, 
talk with him about his career and how he's influenced people probably way more than he knows. I think there are a lot of people doing podcasts out there. Even if you never heard Johnny B, you're influenced by his style and the people that he ended up influencing. I mean, you can tr you can trace a lot of rock and roll back to Chuck Berry and the Beatles. And I think you can track a lot of podcasting today back to Jonathan Bradmeyer. So if you know Johnny B, Johnny, if you're out there listening, please reach out. Let us know where you are, and hopefully we can get you on a phone or on Skype at some point and, and take 10 minutes of your time just to find out what's been going on. So hopefully that'll work out. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing this music from Little Steven and, and really kind of delving into these lyrics. If you like what you're hearing, do me a favor. Tell a friend. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.